I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight. Fever. Welcome to Fever FM. Tonight we're talking all the ABCs, announcements, beatings and contracts and I'm joined by Dale, Cam and Dave. Long time no see. Oh, surprised you made it to see, to be fair. I thought you were struggling <laughs> for A and B. Oh, I, I had to practice that, to be fair. So, To be fair, you've done well, considering how you usually do. You've, you've nailed that intro. Some, some would argue that listening to this is the Z. <laughs> some might argue that and they would be right but we'll carry on anyway um unfortunately no helena um today she's had to opt out um due to other other reasons more important than f- football um so we'll just crack straight into oh, the oh, there's no reasons more important than football just making that clear <laughs> just life alternate harsh. life issues <laughs> I'm going to go with life balance issues. Um, we'll get into the um, men's stuff first because I think that should be relatively straightforward, he says, unfortunately. We have an Australia Cup match versus Melbourne City, um, a rematch of the wonderful upset from last season. Um, it was not such a wonderful upset, gents. Uh, would it be fair to call this one-way traffic? Yeah. Uh, well, it is. <laughs> Go um, on, Dale. I guess in its t- totality, I mean, one way track sounds very, um, yeah, lopsided. I'm not sure it's it, for, yeah, for a solid hour. I don't think it was hugely lopsided. I thought we probably had our own for parts of it, or well, for most of that first hour, um, limited their chances um, fairly significantly. They only scored their goal from a deflection, um, and obviously, I think. Perhaps the depth in the squad showed towards that last half an hour where they were able to bring on a bit more quality that, and we had mostly kids to, to bring on. And I think that probably um, a little bit of, you know, freshness um, probably paid uh, dividends for, for them. Um, but obviously they're, they're, you know, a quality side and despite their turnover, have, have a lot of good players and have a lot of, you know, muscle in the transfer market to bring in more good players. Um, so I don't think the, the outcome was that surprising but i think there were some decent okay signs in amongst all of that yeah i think if you consider the quality of the the kind of team sheets right i think we held our own probably better than you'd expect i think you look at it and you go there were a lot of kids um on the bench for us and it's not in terms of in terms of phoenix history it's hardly the strongest starting 11 either right like it's maybe for this season it's probably not far off where we're going to be at for a starting 11 but the depth isn't isn't there and it's not it's not filled with you know star-studded names and you look at their team sheet and you'd expect them to pump us right but for large large periods we were in this game and we looked like we could hold our own but I think depth is going to be the issue and we're going to need some people to you know really step up a long way to compete with the Melbourne City if this is the sort of squad we're going to be putting out in regular season but, you know, there's still a bit of movement to come in terms of the squad depth. So, yeah, I don't know how doom and gloom you'd be about that yet, but a few injuries um, in key positions, and I think I'd be worried, right? Yeah, I mean, losing um, uh, losing Callan Elliott's a big one. 
because we didn't really have cover at that right back position without Tim Payne and forcing him out there yeah. kind of leaves us a bit barren in the middle. Uh, Clayton Lewis was, it's, you know, we're now kind of expecting Rufford to step in, which is not kind of his forte. I noticed that he, he was starting to kind of play more of an eight role in that game. Um, but he, he's not got the passing range. I think Clayton Lewis does. But yeah. As you say, it, it just, it looked like we were probably in the starting lineup, you know, one or two players short, and then it just it didn't get better as it kind of went on. How did you guys feel about the um, the visas? They to me they looked a bit rusty, but but match unfit. Yeah, I mean they certainly don't look at their best, right? I mean Wooten looks off the pace a little, and we're not seeing the best out of Cryev and Zawada either. So I I think you just got to go. It's it's preseason. We know um, some clubs care more about the Australia Cup than we do. Obviously, it's good for us to get some better hitouts as preseason games, but it's also not the be all end all for us. We're not targeting that as a competition to go out there and win. So for us, it really is about minutes in the leagues. Um, and I guess you'd have to hope that that's how those players are looking at it. You know, they weren't showing us their A game. They were just trying to get minutes in the leagues. Um, get get some you know games under the belt and go from there. Build towards a season, which is what we actually care about. Uh, but yeah, I they don't they don't look at their peak yet. That's for sure. Yeah, it certainly feels that way with Crive and Zawada, and obviously David Ball's really only is getting his first couple of minutes now. Yeah, uh, Wooten, it feels a little more than that. Like he, every time they play the ball out from the back, I feel like he's a he's about half a step away from doing something. Bad or wrong, like he just doesn't fit. He doesn't look like he's confident. I think you also take a, they're, they're learning. They're they're also learning a new system, right? So how Chief he wants to play is going to be different from how Ernie wants to play. And Chief has already been on record and said how he's more interested in you know holding the ball, passing out, blah blah blah. Um, and that's very different from what what uh, Oofy Oofy Jesus, I'm having a shock of this tonight. Um, what if he was trying to do? So I think I think we need to take a lot of this with a bit of great assault at this point and say, obviously, yes, we were outplayed. Perhaps Wooten didn't look comfortable or as comfortable as we would prefer in, in, in the system he was playing, but also it's still new to him, completely new to him compared to what he's been doing for the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think, I think with Wooten as well, there, there will have been a reason he came on later in that previous game as well, right? Whether that was a, a fitness issue or something, but there's a reason that he only came on for the last 20 minutes, right? Chief, he's obviously seen something there. Maybe he's not quite quite there with the system the way he'd like him to be yet, um, and that might be just a factor there. Or it might be that he was carrying a niggle during the offseason, turned up a bit unfit, you know, all that stuff. This is what preseason's for, right? So he might just be a week behind the boys for some reason we don't know about, right? For me, the kind of interesting part was the how we're going to look to play, I think, this year. I think it's quite a... seems like it's quite a, a different um, departure from, from Ufi's approach. You know, like when we defended under Ufi, you know, we kind of sat back at halfway with sort of two backs of four and kind of tried to get them to play through us. And when we got the ball, then we were quite patient, tried to be you know, quite patient with it patient build up but i think you know i think what we're seeing is a more openness to um try play through the lines um i think you know you see every just about every goal kick is square to someone sitting on the six yard box and, and looking to to play through um various presses um and i think we did that 
reasonably well, I think, um, considering who we were playing, you know, and a lot of confidence, I think, from Paulson and um, Sermon and um, uh, the left back's name escapes me. Kelly Hield. Yeah, seemed very confident doing that and, and playing through um, a press. And then I guess when we don't have the ball, I think we we're trying to pick our moments at which we did try sneak on on someone like we're not pressing like straight away as an immediate out you know desire but um letting them make the decision and then when the ball's gone into a in a in a tight spot or a plane into one of their players who is, is back to goal then we looked to sort of swarm them and, and won the ball a couple of times in that kind of front third doing that you know picking our moments and obviously nothing came with it but i think that's quite a different approach than what we're seeing from ufi it's um and maybe some of the players are um you know taking a bit of time to get used to that. And I think we saw, you know, Zavida dropping deep to try um, suck some players, some of the defensive units out um, with them, playing deep, playing wide, and then and then looking for our wide players. So it's, it's definitely a fairly significant, you know, deviation from what we've played in past years. Even if, even if you want to be, you know, sad about the result and, you know, say that we were under a lot of pressure, I think you're right. There are some bright spots there for sure. I think Paulson and the two games we've seen has looked very capable at this level and and we've seen that before i think sermon again looks like he's ready to play a league football great and and kelly healed as you said i think looked um like he's either there or maybe not far far off the pace of being able to play at this level as well so i think there's certainly some bright spots coming out of that academy and some stuff to look forward to you know any of those guys having a breakout season um, could be huge and could be, you know, the turning point. And I think even if you look at Rufer and Pennington in the middle as well, um, I wouldn't, you know, they're not, they're not, I think our issue is transitioning from that that middle third to the front third and, and getting a finish in, but they are doing some good work in that midfield against what is a very, very quality midfield for City. They didn't look out of place. So I think we, we don't necessarily have to worry about that, but we are also skipping the midfield a lot. So, you know, tactically what we're, going to see in the league is hard to say but there are some bright spots there yeah i guess the one that kind of the stands out about what we're not doing is we don't really have a, a, a central playmaker um and i think correct you know that does concern me that will be quite one-dimensional going mm. forward and i think if you don't have different pivots of attack that can be quite um you know easy for good teams to defend and at the moment we're kind of relying on you know, Pennington to push a little bit further forward. And we saw that in the, uh, the first round where he, you know, pushed on and scored a goal. Now, can he do that long-term? Is he able to step up, change his game to do that? Yeah, fairly sceptical, but, um, you know, has been known that, that people do change their, their styles under different coaches. But um, that does give me a bit of, a little bit of concern that we're kind of relying on chances to be created from, from wide, you know, from wide and relying on a couple of players who have not had the greatest season last year to you know find the previous form as well yeah and i think i think if you are relying on those wide chances i don't know that it feels like we've got the bodies for that either i think as you say we're missing that playmaker but if you are going to be say looking for zawada or Kraev to come and sit in that spot you know come deep looking for the ball act as that pivot you really need guys running in behind and able to finish you know that's where your wanes and stuff could thrive you know playing off the shoulder of zawada come and looking and wayno's in behind we don't really have that guy unless costa's going to find that sort of form he's had before which we haven't really seen or there's someone waiting in the wings that 
hasn't shown it yet who's going to offer that option without that central playmaker as you say I don't I don't know how we're going to solve that transition other than skip the midfield and play route one um, which teams can make work is that is that what we're looking for here though I, I can't imagine that's Chiefy's ambition for the season yeah it feels like it's just we're missing that that one component you know you want someone like a Ben Old to kind of step up and 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 join that in that um, join that centre and um, final third, I guess. Um, we haven't seen it from yet. We've seen glimpses, but um, certainly be good for to see that kind of progression in his game. Um, you, you guys mentioned the um, uh, some of the uh, faces that haven't got a lot of opportunities for, to get game time. Your sermons and your Paulsons. Is this just kind of proof of a, a decent academy setup that we've got? Guys who are, I mean, I'm, I've been really impressed. It's, uh, Kelly Hield, especially. I mean, he, he's not uh, he's not an out and out left fullback, but he's got um, enough football quality about him that he's able to step in and just fulfil a role because he's got the skill set. Same with Sermon. Same with, um, especially same with Paulson. His ability to pass in traffic is, I haven't seen a keeper do that. You know, pretty much anywhere. Yeah, I mean, definitely looks comfortable, and you, you know, it looks like he could be a you know a ball playing ten sometimes with the ball, you know, just so calm and like I think, yeah, it, it might give us a bit of uh, it might not pay out all time this season, but he's definitely grabbed that yeah number one keeper with both hands so far, and, and there's nothing to suggest he will will let go of it. But um, I guess in terms of yeah, the academy. Yeah, I guess there's always players coming through. I guess the question is, is um, yeah, some can step up to the next level and some can't. And I guess this is probably one of the seasons where we're going to find out who who can who can step up. And I guess Conchie is another one who who um, I think has big big raps. And you know, I've seen some sort of comments that you know they wouldn't surprise if he you know ends up being a starting player by the end of the season. Um, but I always think you've got to get that kind of balance right between you know, youth and experience. You can't just throw, you know, a starting eleven of under twenty two year olds and, and hope they they land because it's just not gonna work. You need you need to kind of blend it a little bit. Um so how that is how Chiefy sort of blends those two you know parts of the squad together um could be a sort of interesting matchup and you might not get a choice if he gets a couple of uh you know significant injuries throughout the season. I think I think those those young guys are gonna see minutes. I genuinely do. I think they'll see quite a few. But I think you're looking at almost all of them at this point, you'd say that Kelly Heald will be behind, I would say, Payne, Sermon and Wooten and probably Sutton on the left. But I can still see him getting minutes in one of those positions quite regularly. Contrary will be behind uh, Moel Tay. You know what I mean? So, so, But we do lack sixes. So if those are going to be our two sixes and you're going to have Rufer and Pennington playing your eights or your ten rolls, then yeah, I can see definitely see them getting some minutes as the season goes on. I don't think anyone's ever accused Rufer or Pennington of being a ten. Um, but the point you were making earlier is that we don't have one. So if you're looking yeah. true make him or whether you're going to play ball deeper as you play making as you play making a, a ten, then great, there's a solution. What is that solution? No idea. I'm just saying, if you're going to play those guys in more advanced roles, then your six is going to be Mohamed Altay followed by your Conchi. Conchi was a really, really good player at 
the national league level that central league really was a, he was a standout so hopefully he can take that and develop into a good uh good pro moving forward uh, let's kind of address those the the gaps where we think that these um where we're gonna need those um step up their um right back looks to be a bit of an issue at the moment um there's no uh, expecting pain to cover that seems a bit like it's not in his it's not the first string that he would pull in of his bow yeah i think i think the the kind of hard part here right is i would say across the park we look thin depth wise right where where do we feel like we've got enough depth anywhere on the park is kind of your starting point right so it's it's picking the points we think are the thinnest really and i would agree right back's probably the obvious one but you look at you look at center midfield do we feel like we've got a huge amount of depth there not not massively there's some bodies but after your starting ones there's you know it starts getting a bit thinner you've got a few options but you know up front again where are your goal scorers you've got you've got a few options but not much behind that at the back you've probably got the most options in your center backs but even still i think most of us would have liked to see that fifth import slot go on another center back right like that would have shored things up even more i think that's what people were kind of expecting but we know that's not going to happen now left back You've got Sutton, who seems to be carrying a bit of a niggle with his knee based on how it's been strapped. Um, we don't know what that's going to turn into, but do you have much depth behind him? You've got some some young guys who show a bit of talent. Keeper, you've got probably the only spot where we've got two mm. good ones, but one injury and suddenly your depth's gone. So it's it's a really tough one because if, if you were looking at this realistically, I think you'd be shoring up pretty much every position on the park if you could. But there's not spots for that, and there's certainly not going to be budget for it. So where are the biggest holes? Right back's the obvious one, and then after that, you got four or five spots to pick from, right? Yeah, I think depth is a um, a little bit of a synonym for how much we're spending on a on a squad. Like, you know, yep. Melbourne City can afford depth because they can they can well they have depth because they can afford to shell out all the money on their various marquees, take as many of the, you know. Um, salary cap restrictions, and then and build it build it that way. I think, I think what you've seen from probably almost every other team is I think a tightening of budgets. I think, I think I saw Raw. They're only going to have three, you know, imports. Um, sounds like Sydney seem to be coming back. And it just seems everyone else is kind of pulling back a little bit on on their spending. And uh, uh, I mean, if we spend our biggest salary last season. I'd certainly we'd be well under that. Like there's some big outs, that, big spending outs that have gone. You know, Yugakovic, he would probably be a, one of our top earners, I would have thought. You know, he was a pretty quality midfielder coming to New Zealand. You'd pay a bit of a premium to get him here. I imagine um, Lewis was probably on a pretty good wedge. Sale was probably on a pretty good wedge. So I think we've had some pretty expensive departures and we've only got in some kids. Jack Duncan, who I'd imagine is pretty cheap. And Motel A, who I can't imagine was was too expensive either. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if if our budget is well under, like significantly under what we're going to do previous years. And I think that will go to yeah. the question of depth is we're relying and hoping that the academy is going to give us that depth. And um, you know, it's it's worked in the past for other teams. You know, Central Coast did exactly this basically last year. Yep. Um, and it seems like we're kind of attempting the that too, um, but I think I think one of the, the things of with with having so many sort of younger players in your squad is you've got to give them time. Like 
you know, even someone like Brian Caltech, he was not good at the start of the season for a good half the season. And then he got his experience and came right. And I think that's, you say that with a lot of, of a lot of players is, especially in the defensive back line, um, you're going to be exposed. You, you need that experience to kind of get up to speed. And, and if you're going to do it, you kind of have to throw a whole season at it. You can't just say, oh, after five games, it's not working. And we're going to try bail out of that approach. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think I think probably the only thing I'd say about the Mariners and, and even the other Australian clubs and that approach to bringing through the youth through the academies is we're a bit worse placed in terms of getting that same quality opposition for our academies to play. I think that's, that's the challenge we're always going to face, right, is how do we get the minutes? How do we have that proving ground for them? Because those, those national leagues in Australia are, are a significant step up. I mean, you look at that game, we played against Peninsula Power, you know, they're, they're a good side. If we had our academy playing against teams of that sort of quality week in, week out, um, you, you'd have a more significant proving ground for them. And so that's always going to be a challenge we face is I think it's probably a bigger step up from our academy um, in some ways. But that's not necessarily a bad thing either because it means we don't have constant eyes on them. You're not having that same competition for players. You're not going to get them poached out from under you every five minutes. But it does mean we've got to we've got to find the right way to identify who's ready to step up and nurture them the right way. And this this season will be a good good test of that whether or not we've got that mix right. And if we don't, learning from it for the future for how we bring that through. Yeah, I think most of the academies of A-League clubs are not in the NPL. I think it's that level down there in NPL, NPL 2. And I'd still say yeah. that it's probably a higher level than playing Central Correct. League. Yeah. You yeah. Know, playing 18 games in Central League and then another, was it, nine games at, at National League. Um, yeah, that's that's still not a comparison. But yeah, I take, it, I take your point. Yeah, no, I think we all agree it's a step up. But I think I think they just have better opportunities there for more games against better opposition. Because, yeah, as you say, the league they play in regularly is at a lower level. But even just in terms of us getting quality preseason games for the first team, right, it's a struggle. Um, it can only be a bigger problem for that that academy. And luckily, you know, we've got the National League, we've got, you know, Central League, and there are, there are structures coming through for them to get minutes. But it's always going to be a bigger step up. I think that's valid. I, uh, so I, uh, I guess in summary, this is a, uh, we've just got to wait and see. Um, uh, obviously, um, uh, Chiefies uh, come out and said that there is no fifth import slot uh, on that centre-back that he was talking about earlier in the season. Um, so that's, he's obviously either happy enough with the the people he's got or is not found anyone he prefers. Or Rob's um, told him to be happy. Yeah, I, I certainly <laughs> that that press statement certainly um felt a bit that way, didn't it? Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, he tried to paint a rosy picture of, oh yeah, we've got it already, yeah, under control in our academy. But I mean, you, you don't go from, oh, you know, we've got we're talking to a couple of people to now we don't need to in a couple of weeks without something going on in the background. I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think I think the discussion probably went along the lines of you can have that one player or you can have four players. You've got to pick one or other. You're not having both, um, you know. And he's he's gone. You know what? We'll have four lower level players instead. You know, pick up some more kids out of the academy or whatever. It's it's definitely a budget constraint, right? Yeah, probably not the worst approach. Rather than throwing all your eggs in one basket, just you know hope that one of the four or two of the four come off um let's move on to the uh women's side because uh there has been a lot of movement over there uh possibly all that budget going 
going across the fence, to be honest. It's been a lot of signings. But the first news I guess we've got to get to is not so good. Uh, Lily Allfeld, unfortunately, gone for the season again. Um, recurring back injury that she, that got her at the end of her knee recovery last year, and she's had a back problem before. Um, it's been confirmed that she's out for the full season. That is, that's got to be crushing, guys. Surely, two two full seasons out. I mean, absolutely. I think though the the writing's probably been on the wall a little with this one anyway. I think we've all been wondering if she was going to make it back this season. I think from the outside, it seemed um, like there must still be stuff going on, right? So I suspect inside the camp and inside the setup, and for Lily herself, she you know this won't have been a surprise. This will have been a long a long discussion and a long hope, I guess, that they've confirmed she won't be playing, but it sounds uh, all intents and purposes like she'll still be as involved as she was last year, maybe even more so. Um, so we'll have to see exactly what form that takes. But I guess while it'll be gutting on a personal level, um, it's probably the right call and fingers crossed she can bounce back. But you'd have to say this is probably a, a pretty big blow for the professional career in general, right? It'll be hard to come back from two seasons out at the age she's at. I think it kind of speaks volumes that they're saying that they, they're trying to get her involved in the club. I mean, she won the Spirit of um, Spirit of the Club Award last year and was an amazing presence, um, really keeping involved that full season. I mean, I, I don't know how she did it, to be quite frank. When, you, when you've got a long-term injury, not getting down and getting out there and supporting your team, that's pretty awesome. Um, hopefully they can find a decent spot for her in that back office that, you know, she can be productive and, and just, you know, do what she's been doing, but get paid for it. Yeah. It's just a matter of figuring out what you call it and what you want it to be, but I, I'm sure they'll find a way to make it work. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know whether she's got any of her, her tickets, coaching tickets, but you know, I, it certainly wouldn't be a bad. Checking her in the academy would not be a bad shout. I agree. She'd be good on that community engagement stuff as well, way eh? like getting out to yeah, schools true. and stuff. Like she's got the personality to, you know, be quite chatty. You know, some players are very, you know, awkward in those situations. But she seems like she would she would smoke it. Yeah, definitely a candidate for one of those. Um, uh, the way the Japanese rugby teams work, where you come in and work for the business. Oh, and you play football. You know, you play rugby occasionally, but mainly it's you come out of there with an education, speaking Japanese, and a and an MBA. That'd be a fantastic little thing for, her, for them to do if someone had the money um, I don't think it's going to happen I can dream Dave shut up I just I I zoned out for a moment and suddenly you're talking about how she's learning Japanese and getting an MBA and I have no idea how we got there I can dream uh, on the more positive front for the women's side there have been a bunch of signings um I will run through them very quickly and we can discuss them on mass because there have been so many. Um, Hayley Davidson, a young American who's been kind of on the fringe of, uh, we're calling on the fringe of selection for the, the national side, um, but strong pedigree. Um, Macy Fraser has signed as well. Uh, Mariana Speckmeyer, who's a Venezuelan American slash American Venezuelan uh, center forward. Uh, Zoe McMeekin has signed for another two seasons. Um, there's been three players from the academy who have been promoted. Uh, Livia Ingham, Manaya Elliott, and Daisy Brazenfield. 
and um, that brings a total of 19 players confirmed, which this early um, in the season uh, really bodes well. There's a couple of gaps, but what do we think of these signings? I wouldn't say it's actually early, mate, because the season starts in six weeks. Um, they've got... Considering last year, it's early. Yeah, but last year they also didn't start until November. So they're starting a full six, five or six weeks earlier than they were last year. So, And also there was, you know, the consistency. You didn't have a coach in place or the coach in place had left. So there was, you know, there was a lot of rebuilding to go on within that women's team, uh, which had been based overseas, you know, there's a completely different story. So I don't think it's actually that early. Um, and, you know, they're not far away from kicking a ball and uh, in training either. So I think um, I'm really excited because obviously they've uh, with the lifting of the restriction on um, visa players and so forth, we've, we seem to have, we seem to certainly be targeting a much higher uh, shot at this league. You know, last last two years, like first season was a free hit. Second season was pretty much a fairly similar thing where we weren't going to roast them too badly for a bad performance. But looking at the recruitment and how they've gone this season, I think there's a bit of a fair bit of intent in that team about how they can go. Yeah, I guess I guess they've used the the input spots to to sign places where we've struggled a bit in the past. You know, we've got you know signing a right fullback. We had two or three players play that position last year, didn't we, I think? Um, even so Mackenzie Barry. Yeah, Mackenzie McKenzie Barry. Yeah, played out there for a bit. Um, and obviously uh, another another striker as well, um, another American striker up front. Um, so obviously I think, you know, Temps is clearly identified and I don't think it's been fairly obvious where, where we've had weaknesses in the past and, the, and they've gone out and, and, and tried to attract... Um, some people who have some players who have had, I guess, fringe experience in the National League in America, um, which I guess probably just goes to, I guess, where the uh, the available money goes, like yeah, the, the tier at which we kind of can attract players. Yeah, I think. So yeah, I guess it depends. I think they will seeing them look like they arrive this week, don't they? I think this for preseason that starts was it next week maybe I think. Um, so we should see, I guess, how they this week. So yes, yeah, see how they slot in I suppose yeah with 19 players and uh, some uh, definitely a bit more quality about the the team I mean we're now at the point where we're talking the the, gap, the gaps that we've got are really on the bench rather than in the starting lineup that, that's a hell of a turnaround it's it's very pleasant I mean uh, I think Dale you've noted this down reserve goalkeeper backup left back and a backup center forward that's not too bad. Only having no. those three gaps and all on the bench. Yep, and you've only got three spots in the in the squad to fill, so it's nice that the the gaps seem reasonably clear. I think, you know, we'll obviously have to see how the team goes, but you'd you'd say that this, as Cam hinted at, looks like a more solid tilt at you know being competitive in this league. I think they'll they'd be gutted if they're sellers as well as again, um, based on the intent they seem to be showing through a bit of bit of money and a bit of you know. Um, yeah, a bit more ambition with the signings, which is, you know, a good thing. But I think, you know, it needed those couple of years to build and see what it was going to be and whether or not um, the local talent could make the step up. And I think we've shown that, yeah, they can. And, you know, we'll support them with a few imports and I think it'll go all right. I guess there's probably a cushion of, 
uh, a couple of players we haven't really talked about is Betsy Hassett about whether she is coming back again or um, and any longer. Obviously, had, had signed and then had her knee injury. Uh, also played a World Cup. Um, whether because those players are in the mix as well, but I guess the reserve goalkeeper probably the one that stands out the most, given um, Candy was kind of announced as not coming back quite early in the piece, wasn't she? And I don't know what the stocks of New Zealand keepers keepers are like, but I can't imagine it's a very long list of, of players who would be signed. So maybe it's, yeah, I just don't know really where they're going to go on that on that space. There's a, there's a couple of good young keepers in the academy. Um, whether they're ready for a step up, of course, is a completely different um, killer fish. But I think there's a uh, there's a, certainly a chance of a third keeper from that group rather than you know having to look for a couple of them um but yeah it's hard it's hard to see where that extra keeper is going to come from um it's not a strength with based within new zealand it's obviously we've got some good keepers um with uh like obviously essen and um and elite and elite uh and obviously now with Aaron naylor playing at bay and we've got some decent keepers and some good good places um but whether there's any base still within New Zealand that we can grab. It's a big question. Yeah, I think uh, I suspect that it's, it's going to be a bit of a tough one. I mean, especially trying to recruit someone and saying, yeah, you may end up sitting that your your whole season on the bench. It's always tough to. Yeah, it's it's not a lot of money, you know, either. Like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, as I said, you know, they announced Kenny wasn't coming back. For all we know, she might have said, look, I've got a career I, I want to focus on and sit on the bench and earning probably what 20 or 30 thousand dollars for six months is probably not even that is really worth it having traveled to australia every second week is probably not the most attractive you know for some people if, if they've got other you know avenues of career avenues so yeah be kind of interesting to know where they're going to go with that one in the next month yeah yeah um but still um very very interesting um start to the season i think um which they have announced uh, is starting on the October the 15th um, um, on the back of the uh, Women's World Cup. Obviously, they're looking to uh, push the Liberty A-League um, a bit more strongly. And so the women's side will uh, kick off a week earlier than the men's uh, to give them full attention. Uh, and that will be um, at Sky Stadium on the 15th against Melbourne City. Um, and then uh, the men will be kicking off later on uh, the following week. Uh, that's a that's a big and a welcome call by the A League. The, them recognizing the success of that Women's World Cup and that there is a desire to support the women's game, and I think it's a really good opportunity for um, some of the fans who got drawn in during that World Cup to step across and you know support the local game as well, which. Um, Fingers crossed they do. I think there's there's the very real possibility we'll have, you know, stadiums with only 3,000 people in them across the league, but I really hope that's not the case. I hope we have good crowds turning out, getting excited about it. It could be, um, could be fantastic. But, yeah, the Phoenix, I think, will definitely be looking at that as a um, bit of a litmus test for what they do with their remaining TBC games. Um, you know, if they get 10,000 showing up that first week, they'd be crazy not to, not to be booking out the stadium. But... If if it's you know two three thousand, I think they'll be uh, taking them elsewhere. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. But I really hope it goes well because yeah, it'll it, it'll be exciting. We all know how good that World Cup was. 
And then, yeah, hopefully there is a boost. Hopefully there's so some kind of jump from that and some there's some kind of goodwill. It's still quite a long way after the World Cup is finished. Like it's yeah. ten like ten weeks is a long time, and to to build or to hold that enthusiasm seems unlikely. So whether you can build on it twice or build on you know and grab that that late after is it's going to be a a difficult shout. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the one thing I will say though is I know a lot of sports fans who were. Uh, surprised I guess at how much they enjoyed that they they recognized how different it was from you know lots of them are lots of them are rugby fans or whatever and I think that's quite a stagnant feeling to them that the rugby crowd is a very particular kind of crowd and even though those stadiums were filled mostly with people who aren't even football fans the vibe was different and they liked that so even though I think the hype will have died away I think all they've got to do is get some awareness out there that the game's happening and I think people will probably be willing to give it one go um yeah. and that'll that'll be the key is how that one game goes you know if we get spanked 10 nil well <laughs> it probably won't matter what else you've built around it but if if we're competitive and if the atmosphere is good i think you might well be able to hang on to a bit of it even though the hype will have died off because yeah there was a real genuine sentiment of of recognizing something was different about those games and they they liked it you know actually, the vibe was i actually there. think you guys you guys actually have a a massive role to play in that I think you the 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 atmosphere that you can create goes will go a long way to helping that, and so having a good sized zone with I don't want to use the term well liquid because it's not really <laughs> appropriate, but having that same effect that it has when you guys have a good Friday night or a you know you're having your pub crawl days where the zone is just in, yeah, yeah enth- the enthusiasm that's a great much better word than what i'm trying to say but i think there's a there's a massive influence that the fever and the fan group in general can have if they're prepared to go that extra distance and make that atmosphere work yeah and that that was absent from that world cup as well right because you do have fan groups very spread out you, you had a lot of neutral teams you know you didn't have that true kind of football fan group atmosphere at all so yeah that'll be another thing to add on top for sure Dave, you'd raised a point I hadn't really considered that the Phoenix might be delaying those the venues of the TBC to see how the first crowd went, and I I just assumed they hadn't locked in that we're going to take all the the non double headers. I mean, I suspect they haven't locked it in either. I suspect that's part of a factor, but. I'm sure they're probably keeping some flexibility in that, I would imagine, wouldn't you, right? Like any venue you could be looking at, I mean, I know there's a few being bandied around, you know, Jerry Collins Stadium, I know Newtown Park, I know some of the other ones, but none of those have a capacity over, you know, four or 5,000. So if you are looking at any sort of crowd numbers and we know they would love to have the money, surely you've got to take it somewhere else if the maths says you take it somewhere else. But 5,000 people at Newtown Park is a sold-out stadium would be fantastic, right? So do you prioritise atmosphere over the money? I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting um, call. I obviously, t- that 10,000 number gets bandied around with with uh, Sky, Sta- Sky Stadium? Yes, Sky Stadium um, uh, all the time. Uh, and it'd be good if it could uh, get over that. Um, the uh, As mentioned, the men... Uh, Kicking on on the twenty second the following week, but it is away, uh, and there will be a the two double headers. Uh, the first one will be uh, Saturday, November the fourth, 
and then Saturday, December the 23rd. Uh, nice um, uh, Lockheed Day. Uh, Dave, I interrupted you there. No, you didn't really. I was just going to say, and, and Dale will remember these numbers better than me, but it was, it was very interesting to see some of the stuff out of the um, the rugby review talking about how much it costs to put on an NPC game. I'm going to throw out the number 400,000. I don't know if that was the right number, though, but that's how much they were talking about for the cost of putting on a single game in the NPC, which I think you could probably use oh. as a yardstick for something like how much it costs to yeah. play a game for the Phoenix at Sky. That, in- that included the players' wages, I think. I think it was 200000 for kind of your new security, probably camera install, lighting costs, all that kind of stuff, which is an astronomical amount for... Yeah, because they're getting probably similar... Less, less crowds than what the Phoenix would get, really, aren't yeah. they? The Lions, they get, uh, what, The NPC game, the latest, the last NPC game, had 150 tickets sold. Yeah, and I think if you if you take that ten thousand number and divide it into your, the two hundred, that's twenty bucks a ticket. You need ten thousand people, so the the ten thousand number to break even seems pretty realistic to me. I mean, I think there's people in the past who've questioned whether or not that number was true, but yeah, based on that that rugby review, I was like, actually, this speaks some truth to the the numbers we need to make this sustainable. I know tickets aren't twenty dollars, but there's there's a bunch of overheading tickets too, right? So. Um, yeah, I think it, it's it's an interesting thing to learn out of rugby, and I can't imagine the Phoenix are necessarily getting a better deal than rugby are for stadium hire and security and all that stuff, right? And they don't have the deep pockets that New Zealand foot, uh, New Zealand rugby have had to prop it up for a while, and New Zealand rugby are saying this isn't sustainable. Because the, the other thing to change in this year is around game days and times, really, you know, moved quite quickly away from that sort of 3 p.m. kickoff, um, well, on the men's side anyway, um, to much more of a, a mix, really, isn't it? There's like a few Saturday nights, well, it's 5.30s, a couple of Friday night games and a couple of Sunday games. So, yeah, I mean, I guess diff- different times and different days suit different types of people. Um, so I don't know whether the pool really grows much bigger depending on what you ch- how you change the mixture but um it's been to see how that that pans out i think they're probably those five thirties. i think they're kind of hedging their bets right on those saturdays i think they're saying five thirty. if you've got a family you can probably wing it for one night on a saturday night and, and you still get probably the uh, for want of a better word the entertainment crowd who are, are looking for a night out as you know this is part of a, a night out or an event on a saturday night so they're probably a little bit hedging there trying to combine a, a time that kind of suits Two yeah. significant d- demographics, I think. I think uh, the kickoff times are purely dictated by television, to be honest, and this is the times that's available. So uh, I don't really think the crowds and who's going to attend them has too much of a say in it whatsoever. If we look at the if we look at the women's draw uh, compared to the men's draw, six times this season the women play the day after or the day before the men on the same weekend in the same in in Wellington, and there's even one occasion where the women play uh, the men play. Well, it's it's a Tubi, it's a TBC, I think. So there's every chance that somewhere else in New Zealand on the Saturday, and then the women are down at a TBC on the Sunday, which could also be in a different city entirely. So there's you know, there's a lot going on with that draw that's still to be to be ironed out. To be fair, yeah, I think there's, there's things probably a couple of things in there. I think um, I think the longer you hold the the stadium um open the long yeah you know, your costs are still going up regardless of whether you're there for two hours or 
four hours. So there's probably a bit of cost in there, but I get under the pressure that kind of the trans Tasman travel still not really back to what it used to be pre-COVID. Like, and you know, the teams have to fly Qantas, which is, you know, much reduced um, than what it used to be. So maybe there's a little bit of travel factor in, in terms of having the men and women playing on different days, even if they're both at home. But I, I think post-Fox, we've definitely had much greater say over kickoff times. You know, we wouldn't have had 3 p.m.s under a Fox, you know, Fox TV rights. So I think there's definitely much greater flexibility for teams to, um, you know, lead where they how where they want when they want to play their games than, than previously and um the the double double header for 12 pubs 12 pubs weekend is is quite handy though mm. yeah that's that's going to be fantastic uh 245 and 530 i think those kickoff times are um apart from the uh the double headers um how do we actually feel about the draw in total i mean obviously diff- newer times but is this a an improvement or not so good or just different? I, I like it. I like that we've got a mixture of times and a mixture of days. I think it's um it's it's moving away from the all our eggs in the family basket um scenario that to be honest didn't seem like it was working for crowd numbers. So so I like it. I think it will as you as Dale said, you'll see uh, probably some ebbs and flows in crowd. You know, the Friday night crowd will be very different from the Sunday crowd, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. There's, you know, the, those of us in this room are, are the sort who go to every game, but there's a lot of Phoenix fans who only go to four or five a season, right? And that's fine. They, they're as important to the club and the financials as anyone else. So having four or five games that work perfectly for them and four or five that work perfectly for someone else isn't a bad thing. And it'll be really interesting to see how it goes. This has worked out perfectly for me because last year, the 3 p.m. kickoffs, having two kids under three was 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 top draw for me because I mean I could go without having to feel too guilty um, and now they're a bit older the season the slightly later game uh, is is just what I'm looking for as an escapism so thanks Domi I'm sure you devised this based purely on my circumstances but yeah A plus for me yeah I agree the Friday night crowds are always good it's been a long time since we had a Friday night game and I remember going to them uh, when I was still in the in the crowd in the, in the fever and having a f- absolutely fantastic night on the booze and it was uh, it was it was always good fun so um yep i think uh, i think it's going to do uh, really good things for the uh, for the crowd numbers um and for who gets to attend and when yeah i i'm i i'm finding the draw pretty nice um obviously now i have to drag a seven-year-old i say drag a seven-year-old the seven-year-old drags me um it's uh everything bar the late sunday games is pretty much bang on uh kind of brings us to the end of our little uh chat and we've done it remarkably quickly dale you're welcome um anything else anyone wants to bring up uh does anyone know when the next game that either the men's or women's team will be playing well i mean based on last previous seasons the women's will their first game will be the first game of the season men i mean they usually get a try get a, a week overseas uh week in australia don't they where they try play two or three games in a row so i assume at some point they'll they'll do that but no hard and fast facts unfortunately just wild speculation that's our forte anyway so 
I guess seeing as we're running to the end of this, well, and uh, I'll, I'll add one thing. It's unrelated, but just because we've got a moment, we'll do a shout out for the fact that the um, the Kate Shepherd and Chatham Cup finals are this weekend. So if you're in Auckland and available on Sunday, that'll be decent hit outs in both of those. So I think they're one and four o'clock kickoffs at North Harbour. So, you know, but local football to tide you over between all the things. Any uh, any good goalkeepers in the Cape Shepherd final, Dave? I mean, I don't I don't know that uh, the one for United's textbook, but she's bloody good. Um, gives me the shits when she's catching crosses, but man, do they stick <laughs> in her hands. <laughs> okay, it seems like that's going to be a must-watch just to see uh, any aerial uh, work. Uh, Cam, you got anything else you need to bring up? No, not that I can think of off the top of my head, buddy. Good. Just making sure, because every time I try to wrap up, you bastards interrupt me. Uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully we'll be back uh, mighty soon to talk about uh, football or signings or something, uh, just to keep you entertained for an hour. Uh, thanks for listening, and hopefully you'll hear from us soon. Oh, there was that one thing. Fuck off.